We're starting a new series called Principled. There we go. Foundations for a holy life. And I believe God wants uh, to prepare his church. As I was praying uh, last week and then again this week, um, it seemed that God was saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. And then uh, Claudette, who's joining us online, I just want to honor her for her WhatsApp prayer prompts this week. Make straight the paths, um, make uh, the roads ready. If you don't receive the WhatsApp prayer prompts and would like to, do speak to one of the people in the, in the blue t-shirt. If they don't know, then um, speak to someone in reception and, and we'll give you the right number. Um, Claudette led us through a week of making ready um, ourselves, making straight the paths for God to come in. On Tuesday night, in the life group for non-life group people, um, as in people who aren't in life groups, um, they came along and we looked at Mark's gospel and the first passage in Mark's gospel was that, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths. Someone came um, in on um, Wednesday and I was busy and it was kind of fast, fast, fast. And it was like, do you just have two minutes? And it was like, okay, slow. And they just wanted to share what God had been um, saying to them. And one of the things was about preparing the ground and taking out things that might, might hinder him, like rocks, rocks in the soil might hinder, get rid of them. God wants to prepare his church for uh, what he has in store for us. I believe an outpouring is coming. It's not just me speaking to different leaders around the UK. There's this, this growing sense of weightiness and excitement that God wants his church to be holy and to take holiness serious, seriously again. Do you think we take holiness seriously? Don't shake or nod, nod yet. Uh, the rhetorical question, just reflect on it. Are we too loving and accommodating? Grace and not enough truth. This church is so, so focused in on Jesus who is full of grace and full of truth. And in Jesus, he holds those things in tension. And I believe that we need to take holiness more seriously. And God is asking to prepare us. But also I recognize that there are some parents in this room. And actually God wants each of us to be kind of spiritual parents because he's called us to be a church family. And in families we have people who are like parents. Anyone call um, friends of their parents who they called uncle and auntie growing up? Yeah. And they were like surrogate parents at times. Um, Uncle Richard and Auntie Carolyn. That's what our, our children will call Richard and Carolyn Crowley. Not just as a sign of respect, but actually a, a sense of the, the, the relationship. And across our church family, I think God wants to encourage us to be more parent-like with one another. Helping one another not to just stay as children. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that but actually help um, each other, especially those who are younger in their faith or, or, or younger in their ages, to, to be able to make decisions for themselves based on good biblical principles. Our series, Principled. Anyone know the root words from where the word principle comes from? Uh, it, it's not quite prince, but... The word prince is first, one. 
Not prince with a crown, but prince meaning kind of the one, the first. The source, foundation, the beginning. Two Latin terms. And as Christ followers, we seek to live lives that are honoring and and, um, holy. And in uh, Psalm 119, verse 9, it says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Not just a young person. Let's just see who still classifies themselves as a young person and are in this room. Lisa Murphy, your hand went up first. Well done, Helen. It's actually, how can a person, how can anyone who still has their heart beating and and their lungs going in in and out, how can a person live a life of purity by living according to your words? Psalm 119, that's got to be our source. We're going to go back to the, the things of first importance, the source of everything, which is Sunday school answer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, prayer, Bible. If you wanted to get questions right in Sunday school, you learned those five things, yes? What's the, what's the answer? Well, it's either going to be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, pray, you pray or, or read the Bible. Um, and actually, it's all five of them. We, we go back and we say, God, Father, thank you that that you've called me to be your child. Jesus, thank you that you have died for me, given me your grace. Holy Spirit, thank you that you do a sanctifying work. You you do a a work in me, making me more and more like Jesus as I'm open to you. And I'm going to pray to you and go back to your word and see what your word says. And I will live according to your words. I'll have it as a foundation Verse 10, the next verse says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. That shows an intentional decision that has been made to live according to God's commands. Okay, I'm just going to go for it. The body book. First time naked people have been on a screen in this building. Hopefully last time as well. My sex ed as a child and young teen was being given this book. I learned about how things work. The birds and the bees. Yeah. And I was told from scripture, basically no sex outside marriage. God's Um, says in Hebrews 13 verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the uh, the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Okay, I know how things work. I know I can't do that until there's a ring on my finger and a ring on my wife's finger. Right. As a young man, Could I do what I wanted to do as long as it wasn't full sex? I asked that question and you might think, well, why is he asking that question? I'm getting all flustered and things. Some of you, as spiritual parents or grandparents or uncles or aunties or actual parents, may not just be asking this question for yourself, but maybe for the people that you are trying to raise 
as followers of Jesus. And in the Bible, it doesn't say about certain things. It doesn't say about masturbation. It doesn't say about whether oral sex is okay or not. It doesn't say whether before you're married, you can hold hands. So what is it that we can say to our children or young people or as someone comes to faith and starts learning about how to live the Jesus life? Are we just going to say, here's the body book and don't have sex outside marriage? Or are we going to help them have principles based on the word of God, enabled by the spirit of God, so that they can live pure lives? What sexual behavior is allowed? If we're, to try, if we're trying to live pure lives, what is allowed and what isn't? Because sometimes in the Bible it's not clear. Sometimes it really is clear. Really, really clear. People still argue about it, but it's really, really clear. Other things, though, not so clear. How can we as a church family help parents or youth workers or one another give good, godly, Bible-based advice? I believe it's through adopting a principle of purity and making that decision, I'm going to live my life in a pure way and have a principle of purity so that when I have a question whether I can do this or that or whether that's allowed or that's not allowed, the principle of purity is a foundation from which I can make that decision. Deuteronomy. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son and daughter in the fire. Great. Hopefully none of us have done that. Right. Let's carry on reading. Who practices divination. Who did apple, sorry, apple bobbing when they were little? Around Halloween. Apple bobbing. Basically a, a, a way that you can shove your, your brother or sister's head underwater um, when they're, they're not expecting it. And... The thing is, uh, apples in water are, and, and you pick it out. It's actually linked, its roots are linked to divination. Whoa, when I found that out, I thought, oh dear. Does that mean that I need to, to say sorry to God? Yeah. Anyone who practices sorcery, interprets omens, engages with witchcraft, or casts spells, I'm going to carry on reading, or who has a medium, sorry, who is a medium, or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. God isn't mincing his words, is he? But what does engaging mean? Engaging in witchcraft, sorcery, Practicing sorcery and things. Does it mean I can't have a Halloween party or go to a Halloween party? Does it mean I, I can or cannot read Harry Potter? Does it mean that um, certain things that glorify um, witchcraft or wizardry or the occult or, or are dark, so maybe some thrillers that include some of these 
um, some of these things. Does that mean that I can't engage in that as a, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, because engaging it is going to displease God? Principle of purity. Doesn't say very clearly in the Bible, well, because Harry Potter wasn't written at that stage. Um, doesn't say, thou shalt not read Harry Potter. But you need to decide for yourselves, based on prayer, engaging with scripture, but also a decision, God, I want to live a pure life. So will I engage in Halloween activities? Or will I present a different alternative? Please know that with all of these things so far that I've shared, and this one as well, and other things that you might think that I'm saying, I'm not uh, judging you, um, and I'm not wanting you to feel guilty. I just want you to have a principle of purity. Because I believe God the Father also wants us to live pure lives. Yoga doesn't say, don't do those balancing things. Or, um, it doesn't say that in the Bible. We don't allow yoga to take place in this building. As a leadership, we've made a decision. We don't do it. And we also wouldn't accept any gifts from a Freemason, um, kind of a group of Freemasons. Why is it that we've made those decisions as a church? Because of a principle of purity. And as we've prayed and looked at what God's word says, we believe that, that yoga is not of God and Freemasonry is not of God. But actually... Um, well, just to read a few things, that um, to, to be a Freemason it, it is in complete contrast to what Scripture says. Uh, to be a Freemason, you would need to believe that salvation can be gained by good works and not just by God's grace. To be a Freemason, it, um, you've got to believe that Jesus is one of many equal revered prophets, that you will remain silent in the lodge and not, and not talk of Christ. Well, Lots of people within the church don't talk about Jesus um, because they're scared of evangelism. But this is actually a, a rule saying that you wouldn't be allowed to talk about Jesus. And it, the list kind of goes on. Yoga, Freemasonry, not in the Bible, but both practices going against what God is saying in his word if we adopt a, a principle of purity. And there are other things as well. I'm just giving three slides as it um, examples this morning. Maybe by the end of this message, I don't have any friends left. But, but, God has already gone ahead of this message and built my security in Him and in His words. So even if I have upset you, my heart isn't to insult you or to. Um, put guilt or judgment on you. It is simply to say, I believe God is wanting us to take his holiness seriously. In his word, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 21, and we're going to look, sorry, 13 to 16. I'm, I've cut the, the number of verses we'll look at. I want us to think about uh, these things and just dwell in this passage for a little bit. Whenever we come across the word therefore in scripture, what do we need to ask? Isabel, wonderful. Can you say it again, Isabel? What did you say, therefore? 
What is it there for? If the word therefore is there, what is it there for? So it starts off what's it, with therefore, with, your minds that, with minds that are alert. What is it therefore? Well, in the passage, in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, God is speaking through, his, um, through Peter, the disciple. He's saying to a group of, of believers that are under challenge to compromise. And he says to them in, in the first 12 verses, you are chosen by me. God chooses you. You are cleansed by me. Not just by the, the work of Jesus on the cross, but the Holy Spirit is active and working in sanctifying you and making you more and more like Jesus. So you're chosen, you're cleansed, you're called with a purpose on this earth and called to be holy and different and you're qualified, I couldn't think of another C, but you're qualified, similar sound, qualified securely for eternity. And Peter starts his letter by reminding um, the people in the equivalent of modern-day Turkey who are scattered around there, Jesus' followers, of these four things. Different place, different people, same truths for us. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, are chosen, cleansed, called, qualified, and secure for heaven. That's what it's there for. And in light of that, in light of that, in light of everything that God has done, we're to live differently. Just before I carry on, I want to share something that uh, someone asked. They were praying um, this morning and last night. They, uh, they sent God to j- just say uh, some things. And um, I want to share just part of it. It says, have hope, my children, for I am here. Do not fear the future. Do not be ashamed of your past, for I see you and I love you. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I've highlighted the word alert. When um, Anyone know about the fashion in those days when Peter was writing? It was a long kind of robe or tunic thing. The word alert here means to gird up the loins, to gird up the tunic so that you don't trip over. It's not kind of get some caffeine in. It's not that kind of alert. It's making sure that you make decisions that will help you to run freely or move freely, to live free. It's actually being intentional. None of us will become more holy or grow in our holiness through accident. Yes, God's Holy Spirit is is working, but we've got to be open and intentionally open to him working and prompting and challenging and changing us. But also, we need to make intentional decisions. So, intentional decision for my own personal holiness. I don't watch 18s, and I rarely watch 15s. We choose not to allow them into our house. Intentional decision. I don't go into newsagents and look right. 
And if you know what I'm talking about, probably you've struggled with porn as well. And you don't look at the top shelf on the right-hand side because typically in newsagents, they're on the right-hand side. Top shelf. I've made an intentional decision that if I go into a newsagent, I will look down or look at the shopkeeper but not look right. Because I've struggled with that and I don't want to go back that way. What intentional decisions do you need to make to be alert? To take holiness seriously? Because as the verse carries on, Jesus is returning. He is returning. And in that day, yes, there will be grace, as it says in this verse. But what does it say in Scripture that Jesus will do when he returns? He will do what to the living and the dead? Anyone. Judge the living and the dead. We don't often say that. We should say it more often. Jesus is full of grace. But he's also full of truth. And the truth about our lives in comparison to the holiness of God isn't promising. And that's why we need the grace. He holds it in perfect tension. And as we read scripture, what we see is um, he's so gentle and kind to those who are far from God and broken. But with the religious, he really reveals the truth. What is God prompting you to do as you are alert and sober-minded so you can fix on his returning but live holy in light of his returning? What is he prompting uh, you to think through and to change in your life? The verse, the passage carries on and it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And here, as we think about holiness and God's holiness, and not ours at the moment, but, but God's holiness first, we, um, we're reminded of the song that Kirsty led us in um, based on Revelation chapter 4 where there's a scene in heaven and the angels are singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But it, God, God's holiness isn't time restricted. He's always holy. But there's another scene uh, in the Old Testament in, in Isaiah chapter 6 um, where Again, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. If the song in Revelation is about God's holiness not being restricted by time, the song that the angels sing in the image in Isaiah is that God's holiness and his goodness is not restricted just to heaven, but it is filling the whole earth with his glory, with his goodness, with his holiness. I believe we need to discover or rediscover our, our awareness or um, our realisation of the awesomeness of God and his holiness. His mightiness, his complete purity. In our kitchen, we have 
an elastic band, a really strong elastic band over the, under the sink cupboard so that Theo doesn't go and take any poisons or toxin, toxins. We will occasionally go to a fast food restaurant and have food that isn't so good for us. Why? Because as a parent, I only want good things for my children. And God, our Father, only wants good things for his children, for his people. And that's why he says, live a holy life as I am holy. I want that for you. I want you to be like me. I will enable you by my spirit. I will give you grace. But you also need to to choose holiness. To choose that principle of purity. Later on in in the um, letter that Peter writes, God's people are described as chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God is calling us to return to what it says in Scripture about his greatness, his holiness, and to take a principle of purity and apply it to our lives so that we can declare his goodness because he has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So don't go back into darkness. Avoid it. Oh, hang on. Did Jesus avoid darkness? Did he? He went into a dark world. But yet he lived there without sin. And his holiness was so beautiful and attractive. His holiness and purity was curiosity invoking. His otherness was challenging to the religious. And like a healing balm to those who were full of sin. And they knew it. And God wants his church to be like Jesus. And and to, yes, avoid darkness in terms of engaging in it. But to be in a world where there are so many things of darkness. But to declare his light and his goodness and his purity and his holiness. He wants his church to be like that. And to make... Holiness, curiosity invoking, not condemnatory, as so often the church has made it feel like. So what is it that God is asking you to be refined in this morning? As we go back to the source, as we go back to the foundation of God's word, as we pray to him, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we ask Holy Spirit, as you sanctify us, prompt us now to, um, to know what it is that you want me to lay down or to stop doing. Jesus, thank you that you, you've saved me, that, that you have grace for me, but help me to, to live a holy life with you as Lord. We pray that and we come back to the source. I want to talk about predecision. This is a decision that we make, not in the situation, but that we we make beforehand so that when we're in the situation, it's easier to stand firm. In the summer, we went on holiday to the beach. In the morning before we went to the beach, I don't know what it was, but 
well, I know it was God's Holy Spirit, but somehow the phrase, pray a principle of purity prayer, came to mind. So I did. Help me to be pure um, with my eyes and, and looking today and things like that. We go to the beach. I didn't realize that the fashion today is for very little fabric to be on ladies' swimming costumes. Less than last season. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to God's words. And I'd made the decision to seek God with all my heart and not um, let me or my eyes or my heart or my mind wander from his commands. I had made the decision before I went to the beach. And when I went to the beach, that decision was in the forefront of my mind. So I was able to look up and out to sea. What predecision do you need to make this morning? Based on this principle of purity. Maybe you are a parent. And you are trying so hard to build a foundation based on principles for your children to live for Jesus. As a church family, we want to honor you and pray for you. Maybe God is, is saying um, to you this morning, I need to get rid of this in my life. I'm going to lay it down. During our time of worship and response, we're going to have communion. We'll take communion. I'll, I'll lead us into that in a moment. But it might be that you want to come and kneel and someone will come and pray with you. Or you may want to go and stand over on the sides and someone can come and pray with you. If you don't want someone to pray with you, just say, I'm okay, I'm just talking to, to God myself. What is God prompting you? And if there isn't anything, if when you look at your life, you realize, actually, I'm living my life pure and holy, then your task this morning is one, reflect on whether you're being truthful and honest. But also, can you pray for our, our church family? Because it's hard being parents. It's hard being a young person today. When in, in our pockets, there's porn or access to it. Rather than needing to go to a shop or a dodgy geezer down, down a side, side thing. Pray for our young people. Pray for the parents. Pray for purity to, to just erupt in this church family as God prepares us for what he wants to do. Let's uh, stand together and pray as the band comes up as well. Father, we thank you that you are holy, holy, holy. And with humility and honesty, we recognize that we're not. And there are so many things that we have done or said or got involved in that may or may not honour you. And for the things that we don't, don't know whether they honour you or not, give us your wisdom as we choose to live by a principle of purity. Give us your wisdom to say, actually, God, I think you're, you're, you're saying that that's not right anymore. Or, actually, God, I think you're saying that that's okay. Help us to be attentive to what your spirit is saying. Help us to talk about it with one another, and to grapple with scripture and to submit to your authority. For the parents amongst us, 
And for those who are spiritual parents, give, give them your strength, God. Give them your wisdom. Help them to, to um, enable their young people or children to, to um, have a strong foundation from which they can make decisions for themselves that are ba- that's based on your words. Thank you, Father, that this isn't a condemnation message. This is a, um, a heartfelt um, song and cry from your heart as a father, wanting what is best for your children. Help us to know that. Help us to respond to that. In Jesus' name, amen.